92.7 WFNZ, hour number two, KB and Smoke with you. We got a lot to get to. Willie P's back in 18 minutes. Uh, we moved him. Willie P typically joins us on Fridays and has for a couple of years now, but uh, Fridays got really busy, overloaded quickly in the last couple of months. We got Paul B. and Cardi talking hoops. We got Nate Wimberly, who's staying on Fridays because of his uh, outstanding high school football coverage on top of everything else. And uh, we got Doug Rice on Fridays, Chip Patterson. So we're loaded on Fridays anyway. Willie P's coming up in 18 minutes. We'll talk about Charlotte FC's win. We'll talk about the Hornets and the Bucks tonight. Uh, I'll get his thoughts on high school reunions and uh, Lord knows what else. Why are you shaking your head already? I just realized it was a missed opportunity not to have him on at 515. Oh, yeah, it was. That's true. Shout out Charlotte FC fans for text, <laughs> for text bombing us at 515 yesterday. Uh, they did so in a, I think, a lighthearted but fun and coordinated effort to say, KB, talk about us more. I don't think. I know that's what it was. Talk about Charlotte FC more. So, as I've always said, I, I appreciate what you did yesterday. I, I really do. And although I still did wake up to a text from somebody or a tweet from somebody this morning. Let me find it because I'm not mad about it. I'm really not. But I at least got to point out that I woke up to a, a tweet from somebody this morning. I think it was uh, David was his name. And he was like, and he tweeted and he tagged me. And he was like, I normally don't tune in to the Kyle Bailey show uh, because of the anti-soccer rhetoric. That's what he said. Uh, it's because of the anti-soccer rhetoric. But I did appreciate his take on court storming. Duke men's basketball needs to get over itself. And I was like, listen, bro, there's no anti-soccer rhetoric on this show. I've gone at soccer fans a couple of times because y'all like to go at baseball. Um, and it's ridiculous. But otherwise, I don't go at you. So let's not, let's not make up narratives now. I'm your friend. I said yesterday, whatever your version of you know, sounding the siren is, pounding the drum, uh, you know, singing the national anthem. If they will have me out at a Charlotte FC match, I am there at my next available opportunity. So, you know, I, I'm here to be a part of the supporters group, in a sense. Uh, so miss me with the anti-soccer rhetoric stuff. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. Um, a lot of folks already, like, pre-reacting to this idea on how to fix the NBA All-Star Weekend. So, let's get to it. The best audio in sports. What did you say? You what? What did you say? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. What did I hear you say? What I mean by that is... All right, brother, what you got over there? All right, as you mentioned, right before I started playing the audio, recently there's been people trying to have conversations about how to fix All-Star Weekend and what could be done, how to fix it. Will it ever be back to what it was? Well, Jack Cody on his podcast, and you can find it on Instagram at Jack uh, Cody one I, I, I think it's Cote. Cote? C-O-T-E. I think we, yeah, I'm going to go with Cote. I'm going to go with Cote. Okay. Cote. Well, it's more fun to say. Cote. Well, Jack, Cote had an idea to fix All-Star Weekend, and I'll tell you this. I don't know if it'll work, but it's very, very intriguing. Take a listen in charge of NBA All-Star Weekend. This is what it would look like next year in San Francisco. For Saturday night, you start with the three-point contest. The regular three-point contest. You get rid of the skills competition. Stop trying to change the format of it. It doesn't work. Then I would go to Steph and Sabrina's event. But next year, it's not Steph versus Sabrina. It's Steph and Sabrina versus Damian Lillard. And if she comes out of college, Caitlin Clark. I'm going to take Steph and Sabrina. And then to wrap up the night, the 1v1 tournament. A 16-player bracket. 
games to seven, and the winner gets $1 million. If you give us the 1v1 tournament that we have been asking for, it changes not only All-Star Weekend, it changes legacies. In 25 years, we're going to be talking about how many 1v1 tournament titles has Jason Tatum won. If I'm the NBA, I would at least take a break from the dunk contest. How do you improve the All-Star game? You make it USA versus the world. LeBron James at point guard, Stephen Curry at shooting guard, Jason Tatum at small forward, Kevin Durant at power forward, and Anthony Davis at center. Verse Shea Gilgis Alexander, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. Oh, I'm fired up just thinking about it. Now, it, it occurs to me that I misspoke a little while ago because I think I said scrap the All-Star game in favor of the 1v1. That's not accurate. Scrap the dunk competition. Scrap the skills competition. Do the 1v1 Saturday night. And then on Sunday, like he said, make it USA versus the world. Which you can do now compared to 20 years ago. I, you absolutely can. And it would be an unbelievable game. I, I Jack Cote, who's got like 24,000 followers on, on Instagram. I, I think he's kind of light on Twitter, but got a lot of lot of Instagram followers. That was It was all him. And I got to give him a lot of credit because I'm sure somebody's going to find some flaws in his plan there. But on the surface, I love everything that he just said. You want to spice up All-Star Weekend, give me USA versus the world. Give me the 1v1, best of seven, million-dollar prize for the winner. Like, I've had a few people text in to the FanDuel text line and say, hey, if injuries are the major reason why there's no effort in the All-Star game, then why the hell would these players want to play up to four 1v1 games? That would risk exhaustion and potential injury. Um, I said, well, ego and pride. This is one-on-one, mano a mano. I, I, I think there's something to that. I love everything about that plan. I, I, I love everything about that plan. Now, again, if you want to pick it apart, you go right ahead. But I think it sounds fantastic. What else you got? Meanwhile, in the regular season play for the NBA, the Pistons, who have had an atrocious year, got hosed last night in the Garden with some of the worst missed calls in a game that I've seen in a long time. And head coach of the Pistons, Monty Williams, Got about as mad as he will ever get publicly after the game. Where's the New York media now? The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've, we've done it the right way. <clears throat> we've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game. <clears throat> And the guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That that's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game. Period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me what more can we do, coach. That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long. And enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs in a big time game like that and there be a no call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game, and that was not fair. I'm done. Officiate. Why is officiating so bad everywhere? Anybody have a theory on that? They're I, not full-time. You think that's it? I mean, it's not going to be perfect, but if they were full-time officials, I think that could basically their end all be all job is just officiating, learning the rules in and outs. I think it would be a lot better to just get in people that are real estate or have side jobs that pay well, you know, 
Yeah, I, I just I think there are multiple interesting theories. I, the full time one seems a little bit too simplified for me, but maybe it, maybe it's just a case of Occam's razor, and that's the right answer. But you know, Monty Williams was hot. He, he st- that monologue lasted a minute. Then he stood up, left the interview room. A little bit later, in an interview with pool reporter, a pool reporter, the official James Williams, the crew chief, said, "Hey, that should have been called." <laughs> the question was, you know, why was the foul not called? And he said, quote, upon post-game review, we determined that Osser Thompson gets to the ball first and then was deprived of the opportunity to gain possession of the ball. Therefore, a loose ball foul should have been whistled on New York's Dante DiVincenzo, end quote. So the, the pool reporter follows up and says, so if he hadn't had possession of the ball, could a collision happen there? Would that have been a no foul? If you had ruled that Thompson didn't have control of the, of the ball, would that have been a foul? And the crew chief says, well, if the ball's loose, players on both teams have equal opportunity to it. It becomes a matter of who gets there first. But he says, look, it should have been called, which I guess good. Somebody's owning it and taking some accountability, but it still it doesn't make Detroit feel any better. Doesn't change the outcome. And you got to get it right. Like this, this is one of those calls that you would expect a high school official to make and get right just about every single time. Yeah. How do those calls get consistently missed in the in the National Basketball Association? Hmm, who did that win help? Stop. <laughs> Just what, what else you got? Uh, all right. Uh, while the main focus for the Panthers this offseason involves Brian Burns and his future, Dan Morgan, while speaking to the media earlier this afternoon, made it very clear that Frankie Louvu is still a very high priority this offseason for Carolina to keep. You know, we have all intentions on re-signing Frankie. Uh, we love Frankie. Um, you know, he embodies what a Panther is. Uh, he's tough. He's got that dog mentality that we talk about. Uh, nothing's guaranteed in this league, but we are going to try to extend him. I hope so. Look, I, I have no doubt they're going to try to extend him, and I think they may very well be successful. But as you and I and others have talked about, Frankie Luvo is an unrestricted free agent. He is going to have suitors, meaning there's going to be competition, meaning the price might be driven up a little bit. Now, all these teams work with similar data. Like, they, they all are going to be in the same kind of range on what a player like Frankie Louvu is worth. But the Panthers have to, quote-unquote, come correct here if they want to keep him. And they, they need to. They need to prioritize him. Dan Morgan knows that. Dan Morgan understands the DNA of the organization. He understands, as he said there, that Frankie Louvu embodies what this organization has always been about. You can't let... We've been screaming and clamoring for what? Culture. There's got to be a culture. you got to craft and cultivate a culture in the locker room. That's what Keep Pounding's all about. That's what used to be here. Frankie Louvu embodies that. you got to find a way to wrap him up, and I'm glad Dan Morgan's doing that. What else you got? We end with an interesting story in baseball as Cody Bellinger, a guy you know very well, former Dodger, signed, finally signed his extension to stay with the Cubs for the long-term future. But that is not the story, Kyle. No. As the person who broke the news is the story. As the person who broke it was Lisa from Twitter. What? From Yeah, Lisa from Twitter from Chicago. As Lisa has found some fame. A within, fan broke the news, huh? A fan broke the news named oh. Lisa. To the point where Jeff Passan gave her credit saying Lisa was right and has now become a rallying cry for Cubs fans. And Lisa joined Sirius XM MLB Radio to discuss how a random fan found out the biggest news this offseason for the Cubs. Some of my best friends have been Cubs fans forever and we go to every opening game together. And so we have a text thread that's really kind of crazy. And so I get this text from my girlfriend shout out to jen and her dad tom and she said hey we heard that bellinger signed with the cubs and so right away i stepped 
back from my what I was doing uh, at the computer, and I just kind of Googled it, and I didn't see anything. And then I grabbed my phone and looked on social media. I didn't see anything. And I know that um, Joe from Obvious Shirts, he's amazing. And I know he kind of has um, sometimes the inside scoop. So I thought, you know what? He posted about the opening spring training game. So I'm going to just ask, see if he knew anything about it. And the next thing I know, um, later on that day after work, I went for a walk to kind of to de-stress. And my uh, my watch was kind of, you know, beeping all the time. And I thought, wow, did I, you know, meet that goal already, my steps? And I glanced down and I saw it was Twitter. And I thought, oh, that's odd. And then um, I kept walking and my phone kept blowing up and my watch kept blowing up. I thought, maybe I should take a look at this. And then I saw that Joe had... Uh, you know, retweeted my comment. <laughs> so if you hadn't seen her comment, she responded to a post about it. And she was like, I heard that they signed Bellinger just now from a good friend in Arizona, but I can't find anything online about it. And people start responding to her. And there was one that like, who is this good friend of yours, Lisa? Like everybody, Lisa, who is this friend? Please tell us more. And all of a sudden she got famous and she was right. It's a pretty cool story. I like that. <laughs> I was just I was scanning it before as it was playing and uh that's an awesome story. It's a reminder that sports could be fun sometimes. Uh, sports should always be fun. That's why we're here. Speaking of, we'll come back. We'll talk to Will Palachik, Willie P, the voice of Charlotte FC, WFNZ reporter, especial. Covers the Hornets, a little bit of Panthers, he does it all. I want to see what he thinks about this court storming thing too because we played Jay Billis yesterday. Apparently Jay wants to just throw students in the gulag for uh for rushing the court. And apparently he also blamed it on the media, too. So we'll play that and get Willie P's thoughts. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. What's up? It's Walker Mail. Join Weston Walker from 12 to 3. We'll recap Dan Morgan, Dave Canales audio, and Willie P joins us in studio. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Years ago, when fans would run out on the field or on the court during a game, it was it was network policy not to show that because we didn't want to encourage it. So what does that say about the way we in the media use these images now? We, we can't deny that we encourage it, or at least tacitly approve of it. And uh, everybody has to accept some responsibility for this. It, I don't think it's the right thing to allow this, but I know that it's going to continue. This is not going to stop. All right, so Jay Billis, he wants to give students citations, throw a few of them in jail. It's the media's fault. Like, we do agree on some of this, by the way, and I like Jay. I really do. I agree with him that uh, this is not going to stop because there's not really any motive to stop the court storming. But, you know, there have been a few, let's say, pronounced examples of this recently between Kyle Filipowski and Caitlin Clark. And now all of a sudden we're having this you know, national conversation once again about court storming. Jeremy Schapp is you know, doing a special on it on OTL earlier today. And they're bringing up old film of some guy who got seriously injured in one of these, I don't know, like 30 years ago, I, I guess to make the point that we've got to stop this for the sake of our sacred athletes. And look, I, I don't think that fans belong on the floor during game time. Of course, I don't think that, but Man, the reaction to some of this court storming has been over the top for me. Everybody shares in some blame. Wake Forest, all of these schools need to do a better job of preparing for it. John Shire, Duke, you're friggin' Duke. This is going to happen to you, Root. It has happened to you, Root. What did I see yesterday? 58 times this has happened to Duke. The court storming, I believe somebody counted them up. You're Duke. It's going to happen to you. I, I thought John Shire had an opportunity to get his players off the floor. 
I don't blame Kyle Filipowski for getting hurt, but I think he also tried to anticipate some contact that I'm not sure was coming, and he kind of freaked out and didn't help his game. It was a bad scene. It was a bad situation, and I hate that it happened, but like we lose sight of the fact that like 99% of these things go off without a hitch, and you know, TV net, TV executives, TV networks love this stuff. They love leading Sports Center with a big upset and a court storming. There's, there are a lot of folks invested in this, but we do this song and dance once or twice a year or once every two or three years, maybe where we're just, Oh my God, well, can you think of the athletes? And it's like, yeah, I do. I don't want anybody to get hurt, but most of the time they don't let's bring in Willie P voice of Charlotte FC WFNZ reporter host. He's back with us on the body works plus guest hotline. Willie, I don't know if you've gotten to weigh in on this court storming stuff, but what's your take on it? I feel like Bernie Sanders. I am once again asking you to stay in your seats following a basketball game, right? (laughs) That'd be the meme. Uh, As somebody who has uh, been a part of court stormings as a student and even also as a reporter, I I can tell you that it would be logically inconsistent for me to sit here and say that they have to stop. I I do feel like there can be some tweaks to the formula, whether it's a waiting period to get the players off the floor, and then the rush happens. But I can tell you just from being there, sometimes it's just instinctive. Uh, guy hits a game-winning shot, floor comes, uh, floor gets completely rushed. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I was at the Final Four when, when uh, the shot was hit with Chris Jenkins. And I'm telling you, within not even a half second after Jenkins hit that shot to win the game against North Carolina, were the fireworks just completely going off everywhere. So much so to the point where, like, if they didn't or they determined that it didn't necessarily go through in time, they would have had a really bad cleanup scenario on their hands with all the confetti that happened. That's how quick these court rushes happen. Maybe there needs to be a change there, but at the same point in time, I don't particularly care for the uh, the sanctimony from the Blues that uh, all of a sudden say this has to stop, this has to be going away. Can we think about the children? Can we think about the kids? No. Come on now. This I, is something that I shouldn't go away. Yeah, and, and I got a lot of folks saying, hey, we're, I'm over the court storming talk. Me too. I, I'm over it too. If you want to do something to fix it, then fix it. Otherwise, I'm going to start ignoring these stories, you know, unless obviously it's unavoidable because there's just nothing to talk about anymore. Uh, but what we can talk mm-hmm. about is, what we can talk about is Charlotte FC on Saturday night. Uh, big win, big crowd, big opening night, big everything on Saturday. What was your favorite part? The, my favorite part was that even though the amount of people in the building might have been less than the 74,000-plus we had the opening year or the 69 we had last year, it felt like it had every bit the kind of juice and vibe in the building that we had for the first game. And I think the one thing that now comes sidled with that is expectation. And I think from the moment we saw them step on the pitch, you saw a different energy, you saw a different attention to detail, and you saw a planner to Dean Smith that – we really hadn't seen under the previous two managers, not to denigrate those two gentlemen, but you saw a commitment to making New York work when they didn't have the ball. And when they did have the ball, there was a simplicity to it. They were attacking through all three channels. Uh, they got a goal off a set piece, which I don't know if there's a center back that makes that kind of ambitious run for us before Dean Smith gets here. I think Adilson Milanda is somebody who had had a couple of chances go by the wayside in his first couple of years, you're not, again, you're not necessarily always uh, anticipating a center back to be somebody who scores, but he had a couple of chances that went awry in his previous two years with Charlotte FC, and this one he gets an opportunity for a net mount scramble header on the doorstep and gives Charlotte FC the lead, and, and they make it stick. How many times last year do we say, you know, 25 points dropped from winning positions, 
and they come out and they hold the lead, very much similar to the way they did in uh, Decision Day against Inter-Miami. It was incredible to see, and I think it instilled the foundation that they want to be tough to beat, and, and they want to be able to make sure that they give the fans a great product to see. I, I like it. Now, I have uh, a texter here that says, year three is our year, Charlotte FC. I, I've heard some people already, hey, I really this this team feels different. I heard you, you've talked about them and say that you know, this feels like a professional football club with a professional approach. So I, I like the enthusiasm. I like the expectations. But, Willie, I also have... On the other ear, people telling me, ah, the talent level's down. Uh, they, they might be scrappy, but it's going to be hard for them to win a lot of matches this year. What what are realistic expectations for this club this season? Well, D- Dean has said it in a nicer way than the first manager said it. Uh, there is a need to add talent. I think there, he said something to the effect of two to three players of a high quality still need to come in. The thing about the roster, though, in Major League Soccer is that it's an evolving organ- uh, organism that goes throughout the rest of the season. They have an open transfer window from now until uh, middle part, end of April. So they have that until that time to add anybody in the world they want to. Just because the European incoming transfer window is closed doesn't mean they can't go out in Europe and sign somebody. That team can't necessarily replenish that player, which is why it doesn't always happen. But But Charlotte has acquired players in this part of the window before, uh, sometimes to their you know, positivity, sometimes the detriment, sometimes you don't want to get into a scenario where you're desperate to get a guy just to get a guy. And then you're saddled with that player for two years and you really don't know what to do with them. So I think Charlotte's been very intentional. You know, I've been had a couple of conversations with some of their scouts over the course of the last couple of weeks and said, you know, well, while their market is kind of quiet right now, because again, teams are kind of settling and then the market's kind of uh, coming back to the norm. It doesn't mean like there won't be an opportunity to potentially get somebody here within the next month. Or in the summer window, I think that Dean Smith has made it very clear he wants to get a right winger in here of some uh, of some rapport and also get somebody who can maybe even be a, a shoe-in in the center back role as well. And he's also not necessarily shy about wanting an attacking midfielder either. So I don't think this roster is in any way done. But I also think he also is not worried about leaning on some of these young players. You saw Yuri Tavares be at the center stage of the goal that was scored on Saturday, and we saw him at the center stage of many goals for Crown Legacy last year. And you don't just score 12 goals in a league and don't have a talent to be able to back it up. Willie P. with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, voice of Charlotte FC. He's with us uh, hanging out each and every Tuesday. And uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, obviously you know I chatted with Von Pullman yesterday. And I said, hey, Vaughn. I, Vaughn's Big great. Vaughn. I, I thought he was great. We'll have him back. And he told me, I said, look, you know, just contextualize the MLS for us now in the world hierarchy of, of you know, of football leagues, soccer leagues. And he said, yeah, they're battling for 10th right now. But he stressed, hey, you know, the football is getting better and better all the time. It's really good soccer week by week. And uh, it's only improving. And, and I, I completely, you know, I can understand where he's coming from. My question for you is, with the support that this organization has gotten, the overwhelming support already, 62,000 again for opening night, I, does, is the rest of the world taking notice of this? And I don't mean like, are they talking about FC in all corners of the globe? But I mean, you pointed out the other day, like how few soccer matches abroad over the weekend pulled the same kind of attendance numbers that Charlotte FC did. Certainly there are people, you know, internationally that are noticing what Charlotte FC is doing, right? Well, they definitely are, Kyle, uh, and I think Dean Smith is a big uh, avenue of that. When I was over in uh, in Europe, you know, with uh, on my vacation over the winter, you know, I brought Dean Smith's name up to a bunch of people, and he said, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, he's going to bring a lot of credibility to that organization." And I said, "Well, you know, we already do kind of sell out our opener with seventy thousand. They're like seventy thousand, put seventy thousand in for, for a soccer match." And I said, "Yeah," and so that is the kind of thing that. 
you know, will help get more eyeballs on this roster. There was actually a, uh, uh, a group of media that came across from England. Originally, they were supposed to do a story that kind of centered around the World Cup happening in 2026, and they wanted to get the vibe of what MLS is like, uh, at least in, as we get towards the 30th year of the league coming up here in two years that coincides with the World Cup. But the one thing that they ended up kind of st- stopping down on is they stopped down on Charlotte FC's atmosphere. And I talked with a bunch of those guys who were over here. Uh, they did some stories on Dean Smith and did some stories on Ashley Westwood because they have obvious English corollaries to their times that didn't overlap, coincidentally, at Aston Villa. But Aston Villa is a big enough club to go under their attention. And they're coming to find that, you know, we can be in this space too when it comes to soccer. Are we a top five league in, in the world? No. But I think if you asked anybody who, when they started this fledgling league in 1996, that they'd be among the top 10 leagues in the world by the time they turned 30, I think they'd all look back on that and say, we we take it 100%, especially when you're getting the caliber of player that is now coming to this league, not uh, including, but of course, uh, involving uh, Lionel Messi and the others that are hopefully going to come alongside of him. Okay. Now um, I have, first of all, well done once again, yesterday, 515, on this show, we know you're behind this. You don't even have to admit it, but I, I know that you're behind this in part. That you know your your uh, legion of FC fans blew up the text line at 5:15 yesterday. Vaughn gave me a very ominous warning about this at about 3:50, and I loved every second of it. They're demanding content. They're demanding more airtime, and I love it. I appreciate it. Uh, from a content standpoint, I have already suggested uh, that you know me and Jessica Charman battle in goalie wars, even though she's she's probably going to beat me. Um, also, someone said KB is going to become a soccer bro by the end of this season. Willie, I mean, where'd this notion come from that I hate soccer? I played travel soccer as a kid. Where'd this I, come from? I, I don't know where it came from, Kyle. I I, I certainly didn't start it. Okay. And, and uh-huh. okay. Based based on yesterday, that's all those dudes. All those dudes, those dudes did that all on their own. I uh, I might have known it was coming, uh, but they even asked me. They're like, "How do we get more soccer coverage on on your radio station?" And I said, "Well, they have a text line." I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say. Sure. I didn't say. Hey guys, why don't you all pepper Kyle Bailey's text line at a singular time? And and break the darn thing. Willie, I didn't say that at all. Willie, I think they they, refer, all, they I, all said that. I, I think they call that stochastic terrorism in 2024. I believe that's what that's called. But I'm not mad about I, it. I didn't. I I didn't plant the seed. I, I might have driven them to Lowe's to get the seeds to plant, but that might have been it. <laughs> all right. So so listen. I want to be more involved. All right. I, I I've already promised you and Jess. You know I love you both dearly. I was just texting with Jess Sharman yesterday. Um, I can, can I be the celebrity sideline reporter for a match on the, on the FC? G- give me an idea here, Willie. It doesn't have to be that. I don't want to, that's your show, but just give me an idea here. What are we doing? I want to get you leading the March and sitting in the supporter section. I think we need Hell to get yeah. every, I think, I think we need every one of our hosts to do that at some point this year. Uh, whether it's Mac and Bone one week and Weston Walker another week and, and, and Kyle, uh, it, maybe even Jeff too, if he wants to, I mean, we could, we can get everybody involved and, and, have you guys lead the march from McNinch all the way to uh, all the way to the stadium and 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 be there when the beer showers happen because that's I think that's the honestly best way other than listening to us of course uh, the best way of taking the game is right there you know front and center ground zero in in front of the supporter section and uh, and being there with the people. All right, whatever Muggsy did the other night, can I do that? Because that looks like fun. Is that what you're talking I about? I don't have I don't have that kind of pull. Oh. I don't know if I can get you on the crown. Well, I mean, I, I, Woody Wilder's problem. Woody, can I do what, what Muggsy did the other day? That's all. I mean, I'm just coming up with ideas here. I know Woody. Can he pull some strings? 
I mean, you guys are both uh, suburban Virginia natives. Subur- so, I mean, no, 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 not suburban. <laughs> rural. rural Virginia, rural Virginia natives. Yeah, we are. We have a lot of this. We have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, but look, see, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you, you name the date. We'll get Woody involved. We'll do all. I'm looking forward to it, Willie. Thank you for the time, my friend. We'll t- oh, you know what? Actually, I'm an idiot. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing before you go. Hornets and Bucks tonight. Don't 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 clip that smoke. Don't clip that. You can clip it. It's fine. No, I don't mind. I call myself an idiot all the time. Uh, Hornets and Bucks tonight. First of two with Milwaukee. Like they're they're five and one in their last six since the new guys showed up. Willie, I, I don't think anybody's talking playoffs or even play in. But there is excitement, and I think people are kind of uncomfortable with the excitement because they don't know really what to do with it. What do you make of the the buzz around the Hornets right now? Well, it just it's it's great to see that they're getting the requisite effort on the defensive end that I think Steve Clifford has wanted ever since he took this job back over. And it's great to see that they are keeping teams in the 80s. Granted, I think a lot of that might be due to what Portland was doing uh, themselves. So uh, I don't want to give the Hornets too much credit there. But I do feel like it's a scenario that's developed now where you're seeing them honestly make the minutes very hard to earn over the course of the last couple of games. I know that once the injuries kind of come back and subside, if LaMelo gets back and healthy and, you know, you get Bertans and and Curry back in there, there's going to be a real tough decision that Steve Cook is going to have to make in terms of, okay, who do I sit down and who doesn't crack the rotation because it's turning into a team that's becoming very, very hard to handicap who's going to play on a night and night out basis. It's because they're playing well. I think every night it's somebody different. It's Trey Mann one night. It's Fasa Micic the next night. It's Grant Williams. It's Brandon. It's Miles. It's it's all of a sudden completely changed the fabric of what we think about the Hornets, and it's made people optimistic that, hey, come the offseason, you keep some of the pieces around, you keep some of the, the core around as well, you add a piece or two or three, then you actually can think about, hey, now what the next step forward looks like could actually be something in the neighborhood of that P word you mentioned, playoffs. All right, Willie P., we appreciate you, brother. Uh, we, we'll catch up with you next week. Be good. Good luck trying to get on that throne. Thank you, buddy. Uh, I, I don't know if they'll let me, but, you know, if they'll if they'll have me, I'll do it. There you go. Uh, somebody said, rabble, rabble, more soccer, rabble, rabble. I mean, listen, I'm always going to get that. I got a few of those. But what you don't understand right now is I once again have a couple hundred Charlotte FC diehards on the text line right now, you know, wanting more, you know, thanking, the, thanking us for talking soccer. If you can't understand, and this is just broadly speaking, that 62,000 people getting together for anything in 2024 is an amazing feat. And, you know, beyond that, Major League Soccer in America, where it still doesn't have massive widespread appeal from coast to coast, and I'm just talking like TV numbers, but at the local level inside these stadiums, in Charlotte, in Atlanta, in Portland, in Seattle, in Columbus, like some incredible soccer atmospheres. Hell, I mean, obviously what Messi's done in Miami, that's a completely different beast, but still. There's some great atmospheres around the country. And if you can't appreciate that, I don't know what to tell you. Well, they haven't been winning as much, but yeah, well, it, it's messy. I mean, they also, I mean, anyway, 704-570-9610. Keep hitting us up. Right now we go to Smoke on the headlines. Who is Smoke? Where is Smoke? <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's go. What you got over there? I was just going to say, uh, Messi never lost, uh, has never, uh, never won lost. here. Never won here in Charlotte. Oh. We're undefeated against Messi. Okay, okay, that's true. <laughs> I was there. That was a great night. Uh, now, how many teams could say that undefeated against Messi? Yeah. This this one can. All right, what you got over there? All right. This report is sponsored by Compassion International. Families in poverty are facing a global food crisis. Fifty dollars provides a food kit to feed a family for a month. Just text the word radio R A D I O to nine seven six four six to help today. 
Kyle, one of the biggest free agents this offseason for the NFL in the upcoming couple of weeks is Kirk Cousins. Yep. Well, he's made news today, but not for his free agency status. Kirk tweeted, uh, put out a photo on Instagram. Mm-hmm. He's got grills. Gr- like for his truck? Like for his steaks? teeth. Oh. Yes, Kirk well, I mean, I, that has ca- grills. Listen, man. As a as a very Caucasian man, um, I can say this. That's objectively funny because Kirk Cousins is even wider than me in so many ways. I'm a pretty white guy. Yeah, so the fact he that, he, that pickup? he's got if, if he got custom made if he got a custom made grill, I'm guessing, you're saying top and bottom, right? Uh, at least the top. It doesn't look like the bottom. That's legendary. Does he look like the mailman from Cincinnati who's now a TikTok star? I have not seen that. Oh, you don't know that guy? No. Mm, you got to check him out. What else you got? All right. Uh, moving over to baseball. Earlier today, at, or earlier in the game, in his first game with the Dodgers, Shohei Otani struck out looking. Well, it only took one at-bat because the next at-bat, Shohei Otani blasted a two-run homer for the L.A. Dodgers. Kyle? Yeah, he did. You, you getting excited? The, the season's getting closer with Shohei? Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. I, you keep saying, like, are you so excited? It's like, yeah. But how many times have I told you the second Charlotte gets a Major League Baseball team, I'm jumping ship? But this is damn Shohei Otani here. No, I get it. And I'm excited because as a baseball fan, I can't wait to watch Otani. I, I bonded with my dad and my brother growing up as Dodgers fans. I'm watching my nephew do the same thing right now. It is cool. Um, but it has changed for me as I've gotten older on the other side of the country. Like, I, I want nothing more than Charlotte to get a team so that I can root for that team. I want my kid, I want my son, my daughters to have a home team to root for, personally. So, yeah, I'm into it as a baseball fan. Not the same way I might have been 20 years ago, but uh, it's good for the game. There's no doubt about that. And finally, uh, some more college football realignment news. UMass UMass. is leaving the A-10 to join the MAC conference starting in 2025-2026, according to multiple reports. So by the time the 2025 college football season rolls around, only two FBS schools will remain independent. UConn and Notre Dame. Ooh. Who goes first? Who, who falls first? UConn. All right. Uh, we'll come back. We'll tell you who balled out and and not one but two members of the football media going after Carolina's Drake May as a prospect. We'll talk about it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Join Wesson Walker on a war cry Wednesday. Dan Morgan says all options are on the table for Brian Burns on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 22 ticks on the clock. Below, good protection, throws in the end zone. Touchdown! Ricky Pro! It's going to be a drag race. performance big time achievers we call it who bought out and it's powered by high performance real estate advisors and the biggest dad gum baller of them all thomas elrod go to highperformancerealestate.com and they'll see you at the closing table smoke what you got well i'm going to the place where they play no defense in basketball and that's indiana where the pacers lost to the raptors last night 130 to 122 and an acc legend had a big night Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. 21 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. That's what the kids call a triple-double. He messed around and got that last night as the Raptors won by eight. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, a guy we can go ahead and crown now 
as the ACC Player of the Year. It is over. The fight is finished. R.J. Davis will be your ACC Player of the Year. Uh, barring complete total corruption and ineptitude, he poured in four straight three-pointers during a tremendous second-half stretch on his way to a career-high 42 points as Carolina held off Miami in a game that was uh, closer than it needed to be at the end, quite frankly. I think Carolina fans were puckering a bit at the end of that one. At least I know I would have been watching the end of it. But R.J. Davis, unreal, set a single-game Smith Center scoring record, 21 points in each half. And, I mean, pushing the pace, less than seven and a half minutes to play, ended up shooting uh, seven of 11 from deep. The only player for the Tar Heels to score in double figures on the night, R.J. Davis carrying Carolina to a 75-71 to 71 victory. He was just awesome. R.J. Davis balling out. 704-570-9610. Uh, hit us up. I mean, we, we, actually, you and I haven't gotten to that game yet today because we've gotten so caught up in Panthers news and high school reunions and Lord knows what else. What else have we talked about? Is that all? Is that all we talked uh, about? Baseball. Oh, a little yeah, bit. that's right. But I mean, but to your point, RJ Davis, like the only player that technically scored more, I believe was Shimon Williams, but that was a double overtime game in the late nineties. Yeah. So um, if we're talking just regulation, he scored the most in the Dean Smith center or, or the Dean dome. That's the right way to say it. Uh, in that whole entire era, and it's the most since Charlie Scott in the, 1970. Right. Uh, by the way, our guy, uh, who is it? Uh, the Gen Z giant. Sorry, Drew. If you don't know who the Gen Z giant, maybe you don't. Uh, we have a guy named Drew in our sales staff here. He's six feet, 10 inches tall. He's a former division one center. Uh, his name is Drew. Great guy. I've nicknamed him the Gen Z giant. Even though he's technically a millennial. Well, not from a mindset standpoint. Okay. He's definitely, he's definitely one of you. He's he like was 20, born in 96. He's like 20. What is he? He was born in 96. So he's so like he's 27. All right. He's, he's one of you. Let's be real. Um, he came in today and he said, KB, do you think RJ Davis can play in the NBA? And I was like, eh. I think he could hold his own maybe, but he's never going to start. And he'd have to be in like a right, like a really right fit kind of situation. Get to a good spot. And even then I'm just like, I, I, he's good, but he's six feet tall. Like contrast that to Kobe White, you know, another Carolina point guard who, you know, got buckets. Kobe's six, five. I feel like in, he's going to be, he'll probably, his career arc might be similar to more of the Marcus Page slash Joel Berry. Where to get into the G League for a couple of years? Like, I, look, he can have a long career in basketball. I, I just don't know how much of it will be playing in the NBA more so overseas. And that's not a knock on him because it, it just shows you how hard it is to get in the NBA where a guy this talented that's <laughs> breaking records at UNC for scoring is having a hard time. I mean, same with Armando. I know people like to tear him down and like to say stuff, but like Armando is a good center. It's just he's, he doesn't fit today's NBA and he probably won't be in the NBA. No, he won't. <laughs> he won't. I was trying you don't to be to, nice. I know, I know, but you don't have to say probably. He he won't. He won't. Um, rather be golfing, says, if RJ didn't go off like he did, we would have uh, gotten beat by a team who had lost six straight and was missing two starters. We missed so many baskets at point-blank range, and Ryan and Ingram couldn't buy a bucket, and Baycott was bad last night, only five points. Now, you know, Baycott has been pretty good as of late, so, you know, a down night. I know you want him to bring it every night. I won't crush him for that. You're right. Ryan and Ingram. I don't know how many wide open looks Harrison Ingram missed last night. Luckily for Ingram, when he's he's inconsistent when it comes to shooting efficiently sometimes. Like sometimes you get the performance he had against Duke and sometimes you have the performance like that. But luckily the one thing that is a constant and he's consistent on is the effort plays and those effort plays he made. And, and Cormac Ryan to an extent too, I, I think was also a massive X factor to win. You know, we get sometimes get lost in points and understandably so. But the, the effort plays he makes have made a big difference. But luckily, I think 
Hubert is going to grill these guys a new one, and it doesn't hurt that their next opponent happens to be a rival that they don't say is a rival in NC State. Yeah, they're, they're non-rival rival, the Wolfpack, right? We're, we're going to leave that there. I, I promise you we're going to come back to that because the texts right now are fantastic. Shaw X, my dude Shaw X just said, KB, if Michael Jordan still owned the Hornets, he'd take RJ Davis in the top five. Um, it's because of the 2005 draft. Yeah, but they, I know, but there are people arguing with me too. Like somebody said, uh, 704 number said, well, how tall was Kimba? K-Town Steve said, contrast that with Muggsy Bogues and Spud Webb. How many Muggsies and Spuds do you see running around in the NBA today? They're all 6'9 and can shoot. All of them. All of them. So, anyway, uh, we're going to come back to that because the text line reaction has been fantastic. But speaking of Tar Heels as draft prospects, check out what Merrill Hodge, former uh, NFL, was Hodge was a fullback, wasn't he? Fullback slash running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hodge 90s. was a fullback. Yeah. Turned ESPN commentator for all those years. Merrill Hodge said he wouldn't touch Drake May on 106.7, the fan up in D.C. Okay, in, in these categories compared to May, I, I wouldn't touch May. I wouldn't I wouldn't grab May. Ooh. I wouldn't draft him in the first round. And there's a bunch of things that bother me. He's extremely inconsistent as uh, his accuracy. His processing, inconsistent. Um, he's not extremely athletic. I think I find him more stiff. He's got a longer throwing motion, which allows more hits in our league than he gets in college. And I'm just bothered by it. You know, in fact, I just, I knew we were going to do this. So I just wanted to, I hadn't mm-hmm. watched him for a couple of weeks. So I, one of my last games I looked at was the NC State, NC State game. And that may be one of his worst games I'd ever seen. I mean, in play. <laughs> and, but, but it validated, it's at the end of the season and it validated a couple things. All right, so Merrill Hodge says, I wouldn't touch Drake May. Uh, now, the, the part that I disagree with him on, and this is not just me arguing with an NFL you know, player who studies film, it's that others feel the same way. The whole, you know, not athletic enough, too stiff, I don't agree with that. Others have made the exact opposite case, that he's a, he's a threat to run on third down, um, and that that's a – hell, even Kurt Bankert said that. Kurt Bankert, former NFL journeyman quarterback, played at ECU and UVA. Yep, Is that right? he was UVA when uh, Mendenhall first Yeah, I know there. he was at UVA, but I think it was EC, yeah, ECU, then UVA. Kurt Bankert, who fancies himself um, a quarterback expert these days, and hey, good for him. Uh, he went in on on Drake May – and he couched it in, well, it's just it's just the tape. It's just what the tape is telling me. And it's like, all right, well, he said something similar last night. He's like, I wouldn't touch him. His release is too slow. The one thing that I will concede is that Drake doesn't have the, the quickest release. But, man, some of, this, some of this reaction, some of this evaluation of Drake May, I, I think is over the top. I mean, I, I can watch Caleb Williams and see some, some concerning things, too. I, I guess, and it's not even about defending Drake May. I'm not a Carolina guy. I guess, is this quarterback class as good as people think it is? Hey, here we go. <laughs> here we go. You like what I did yeah. there? You like what I did there? Is this quarterback class as good as we thought? See, I told you we do tell it. You every, what, man. We do it every single year. I tell you what, man. Quinn Ewers, 2025, might need to tank for Quinn. That'd be the guy, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking over here. Oh, God. Jackson Dart. Oh, man. Those are the guys you want to build around. Not yeah, these guys. Not these guys. Not these guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Delusional Vault says, I think he's reckless and doesn't process things fast. Uh, Hornets Ron says, so what I get from those takes are that Drake May will set the NFL on fire like Stroud did. Uh, Big Cat Dan says, I didn't think he shined against the tougher defenses, but he isn't trash. My question is, what team is he trying to drop Drake May to? LOL. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's a little wild to me. I got to be honest with you. I think there's zero chance that Drake May makes it out of the top eight picks. Well, it kind of reminded me, uh, the former Falcons coach, June Jones, 
Yep. For, former Hawaii coach, Jim right. Jones. Let's be real. All right. Well, yeah, he's most known for getting into a fight with Jeff George in the NFL. Uh, right. Uh, but no, June Jones, I remember he came out with a controversial take. That it, this is probably the wildest I've seen since June Jones in 2021, where he said he would not take Trevor Lawrence. He would take Zach Wilson. And we're like, what? You know, because it was all accustomed from 2018 on that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the number one pick. And it's just one of those things where sometimes some people have some deferring opinions and it feels like one of those cases. I'm not trying to you know, crap on Merrill Hodge and uh, Kurt Ben Kurt, uh, because I mean, Kurt played quarterback at college and did in the NFL, even though he technically never played in the game, he played quarterback and Merrill Hodge was an NFL player and Merrill's gotten a couple of these evaluations, right? But I also think these are so wild that it's ridiculous. Like when, when Merrill's talking about him being stiff, I'm like the only quarterback that like, I, I could get that if you were talking about Sam Howell being more stiff. Cause Sam, was just a stiff runner. Yeah. He looks like he looks like Paul Bunyan but when he you runs know, the ball. You know this, and we gotta hit a break. Kurt Bankert referred to him. What would he call him? A more athletic Mason. A more Mason. athletic Mason Rudolph. <laughs> that that and I hate to Mason Rudolph's a local kid, played at Rock Hill. Mason could play. But yeah. by every standard, Mason can play football. When we have these conversations, we're talking about relative to the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So well, we're, we're talking about a potential I generational know. quarterback. People talk about Mason Rudolph as as if he's absolute garbage. He's not, obviously. But, you know, Drake May projected top five, top eight pick in the NFL draft. Here's Kurt Bankert saying, well, he's just a slightly more athletic Mason Rudolph. It's like, what? What are we doing here? With, a, uh, with Mason Rudolph having a better arm. All right. Hold tight. We're going to come back to this. But when we return, I, I already had this scheduled. Jason Collette, Roto-Wire fan graph. He covers Major League Baseball. He's, I, he's headquartered right here in the Queen City. Operates out of Charlotte, but he covers Major League Baseball. Has for many years. I wanted to check in with him for a couple of minutes at least to get his feel for this Major League Baseball expansion stuff. He's a big proponent of baseball to Charlotte. And there's a ton of recent articles out in the last uh, two weeks, last week and a half, about expansion. It always includes Charlotte. The deal in, in Las Vegas might not get done. He's you know pretty tied into what's going on in Tampa. So we check in with Jason Collette for a couple of minutes next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.